Welcome to my podcast, where today I'll talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis. As Russia's current leader, Vladimir Putin, recklessly invades Ukraine and threatens humanity with nuclear weapons, it is well worth recalling those terrifying days 60 years ago, when humanity previously walked through the valley of the shadow of death of all humanity in a nuclear holocaust because of the recklessness of the Russian leader. My name is Tim Harner. I am a Christian author and apologist, a graduate of Houghton College and of Harvard Law School, where I was an editor of the Harvard Law Review. As an attorney, my primary role has been as a general counsel. Therefore, I call the six books that I've written the General Counsel series. The first four books of the series outline the Bible from Genesis to Revelation providing scriptural backing for the final installments of the series that outline the history of America and the history of the Church Universal. I post my latest thoughts regularly on my website, timharner.com. And now, as I talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis that occurred when I had just turned seven years old, let's pray that the Lord will let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in the sight of the Lord our God, who is our strength and our Redeemer. For 13 days in 1962, humanity teetered on the brink of destruction, almost committing suicide with nuclear weapons. We call those days the Cuban Missile Crisis. In fact, there had been a perpetual series of crises ever since World War II ended starting with Truman's willingness to airlift supplies to West Berlin to keep it free. But no crisis ever came closer to destroying all humanity than the crisis that erupted in October 1962 over the nuclear missiles that the Soviet Union located in Cuba. It was bad enough that the Soviet Union dared to flaunt its defiance of the Monroe Doctrine that marked America's determination to keep foreign military threats out of the Western Hemisphere. What made it worse was that Nikita Khrushchev blatantly lied about his intentions in Cuba. Publicly and privately, the communists had given repeated definitive promises that they would not put nuclear missiles in Cuba. Khrushchev must have hoped that he could secretly install his nuclear missiles on the island before the United States discovered what he was up to. He underestimated the close watch that U.S. spy planes kept on Cuba. Fortunately, the United States obtained aerial photos of the missiles when they were being installed before they became operational. Khrushchev also underestimated how infuriated the United States would be when the missiles were discovered. From Khrushchev's perspective, and with some historical justification, the United States had been bullying Cuba and other Latin American countries for a century. Indeed, as recently as 1961, a few months after Kennedy took office, the United States had once again displayed its imperialist instincts. The CIA backed an unsuccessful invasion of Cuba at the Bay of Pigs in order to try and overthrow Castro. Why shouldn't Cuba be free to pursue its own economic and political agenda, even if the United States didn't like it? Furthermore, if the United States didn't like Soviet nuclear missiles near its coast, why did the United States think that it should continue to have nuclear missiles in Turkey, 
along the border of the Soviet Union. But the United States saw only that it faced a deceitful foe is bent on world tyranny and domination as Adolf Hitler. Giving in to Hitler had only encouraged him to make more threats and conquests. Therefore, the United States was intransigent. The missiles must go. Many of President Kennedy's advisors urged him to take direct military action to destroy the missiles before they became operational. This would mean airstrikes and, in all likelihood, an invasion. However, Kennedy had recently read The Guns of August, Barbara Tuckman's classic account describing how the Europeans foolishly stumbled into World War I. Kennedy was determined that no one would ever write a book about he had foolishly stumbled into World War III. Kennedy wisely decided to show restraint as well as firmness. Instead of ordering airstrikes or an invasion, Kennedy ordered the U.S. Navy to stop any ships carrying offensive military equipment to Cuba. The president's brother, Bobby Kennedy, later wrote about the climactic moment when Soviet cargo ships arrived at the spot where United States ships were going to stop them. A Soviet submarine was in position between the cargo ships. Would the Soviet ships sail on, forcing the United States to fire the first shot? Would the Soviet submarine fire the first shot? Or would the Soviet ships stop? Bobby Kennedy recalled what it was like to wait for the news of whether war had begun. I think those few minutes were the time of gravest concern for the president. Was the world on the brink of a holocaust? Was it our error, a mistake? His hand went up to his face and covered his mouth. He opened and closed his fist. His face seemed drawn, his eyes pained, almost gray. At last, word came that the Soviet ships had stopped and were turning around. Bobby Kennedy remembered the relief that flooded the room. Everyone looked like a different person. For a moment, the world had stood still, and now it was going around again. Eventually, a face-saving compromise was reached that resolved the crisis. The United States promised not to invade Cuba, the Soviets pulled their nuclear missiles out of Cuba, and the United States removed its nuclear missiles from Turkey. The Cold War continued for almost 30 more years, but after this moment of mutual terror, the Cold War began to thaw. Never again did the Soviet Union and the United States come to the brink of a nuclear holocaust. There would now be time for the torch of liberty to convert the communists to a way of life that ensures everyone's rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. If you did, please share it with a friend and find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as on my website, timharner.com. Until we are together again, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord turn his face toward us and give us peace. Peace.